Some movies are highbrow, some movies are lowbrow. Welcome to Highbrow Lowbrow. I'm Cooper. And I'm Josh Kirshenbaum. Each, oh, you really threw me off the last name. <laughs> I always I always do the last name. You do? Yeah. You don't notice? Oh, I usually do my last name. So really, I'm the dumb one. Right. Here. You're the one who just I'm Cooper. I'm like already screwing up. You're a, you're a mononym now. You're just Cooper. You're like yeah, Retta. Just Cooper. Share all lowercase. That's how you spell it. <laughs> it's bold, but you know boldness is. Each week we pick a topic, <laughs> then talk about two movies that fit that topic. This week the topic is people who accidentally start nuclear war for relatively dumb reasons. Yeah. On the highbrow side, we've got. Doctor Strange, Strange Love, Love, colon, or How I Learned to Stop l- Worrying and Love the Bomb. And on the lowbrow side, we have War, war games, games, colon, War Games. <laughs> okay, while we're talking, I was complaining about this off mic right before we started. Uh, this is really about, okay, so it's Doctor Strange Love, colon, et cetera, right? And that's like, we all accept that. But the weird thing about the title of War Games is it's one word. Yeah, and the G is capitalized. And the G is capitalized. And that bothers me so much, because I kept... I keep forgetting that, and every time I try to look up this fucking movie, other weird shit would come up on Letterboxd, uh, and it's dumb and bad, and I hate it, but I do like this movie. I like this movie, The movie, movie is good, and it deserves a title that is War Space Games, or yeah. War Games, one word, G lowercase. It deserves the dignity of two two words. It deserved more than a Okay, I'm going to come in with a hot take okay, real quick. Okay, okay. I'm going to say, okay. Okay. So, I so <laughs> prepare yourself. I'm going, loins girded, I'm let's going go. To, I'm going to say it here. I think nuclear war is probably my least favorite type of war. Now I know, okay, I know, right. I'm going to get canceled by <laughs> the the liberal elites who are all pro nuclear war. But I'm just telling my truth. Man, I speak the truth to power. You got to go down swinging, man. I know, and I know you're an old school war hawk from way back. But I just got to say, <laughs> me or our entire audience are an old school war hawk from way back. Yeah. Wait, our audience is one old school war hawk. It's They're not war hawk. Collectively, they are all war hawks. That's that's the name of our audience. The it's, war it's hawk. Not, it's not the <laughs> the browsers. It's not the browsers. It's the, the war, war hawks. hawks. I mean, that's, that's really pretty, cool. Pretty sweet, man. If we ever get like a vague audience, we we should pivot to that. Yeah, and they would they would know from this episode, which is going to be our best. All episode. right, war hawks, tell us what shot. you think. <laughs> Do you prefer be called Warhawks or Browsers? If you've ever listened to this, I mean, we're doing this at the beginning. We're calling for a response at the beginning of the episode. If anyone's listening, they'll hear this. Yeah, turn off the episode. Find <laughs> us on Instagram. Message us and vote: Browsers or Warhawks? Oh, would I, you I guess be I called? have to make a poll now. Yeah, or they can, I mean, they can no, just, just text us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah here's my phone number: <laughs> HBLB Podcast at Gmail. You can email us. That's a weird phone number. Uh, that's. I mean, it's not. My, I mean, that'd be a really crazy phone number, especially if I was just trying to like. Get oh, the it's letter. like where you like press the the letters that correspond with the numbers, and right. we happen to get, and it happened to already be my phone number. Right, that would be unexpected. That would be like, man, if that was the case, we'd have to do this until we died. Yeah. Like, no matter what, you'd have got zero listeners forever. I and mean, that's, like, that's how we came up. That's how we came up with the title. We just looked at our phone numbers and came up with as many words as we could that fit our phone numbers already. Right. Yeah. Yours was HBLB podcast. Mine was like, you're going to die in seven days. We decided not to think about that yeah. one. We're not talking about the movies. <laughs> We're not doing it. We're not doing it. Okay. So, nuclear war. Yeah. Uh, colon. Or war how games. I st- colon. Colon. <laughs> how I st- <laughs> learned to stop war-ing. nuclear warring and nuclear the war. Uh, you know, I will. Okay. Before we get into the nuclear war, yeah. while we're talking about the titles, yeah. Dr. Strangelove is a weird title for this not, movie. He's not in this movie very much. Right. I was surprised by that. Because you remember, because he's so memorable. He's I I thought the movie was mostly Doctor Strange love stuff. Right, I remember because it, it, you know it's three sections. It's the cockpit, it's the military base, it's the war room. Yeah, and I remember the war room being mostly Strange Love, and he's yeah. really only in like two or three scenes. He's in two. Yeah, like there's the one scene where they call him up, which is so funny. Yeah, like the, that entrance is like one of the great like movie entrances, just because like 
it's been like 20 minutes in this war room. Yeah. And Peter Sellers and is the in there the whole time. Right. And they've never talked to him. And they're all arguing about what to do with this nuclear war. And then suddenly uh, Peter Sellers says, hmm, Dr. Strangel, what do you think? And they cut over and Peter Sellers is there <laughs> in a wheelchair. Look at Dr. Strangel. And he just starts talking like an insane man. And they're all like, hmm, yes, Dr. Strangel. He's always been yeah. here and he always has good opinions. Yeah. like, And also like the whole bit with his arm is really only in the second part. Like, the right. arm isn't... A, he's, like, clenching his fist in the first time you see him. But right. they're really... They're doing, like, the, the like Roman salute and stuff and trying to choke him out. It's all in the last maybe ten, five, five, ten minutes of the movie. Right. And then even the, the subtitle, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, is kind of meaningless. It's, like, it's like kitschy and fun. I like yeah. it. it. And it sort of does get the, the like, general, like, nihilism I of will the movie. Say, at the in the last five minutes of the movie, yeah. they do learn to stop worrying and love the bomb because they're getting all amped up for life in the uh, in the coal That's shafts, true, in the right. mine shafts, which is a, an incredible, incredible like sequence. We can't have a mine shaft gap is such a funny joke. It's so funny because I remember. I mean, obviously, mine Fuhrer, I can walk is like the great like oh, on a yeah, line. That's, that's really funny. <laughs> but the fact the line right before that is we cannot afford to have a mine shaft gap, which is not only hilarious but so perfectly emblematic of like the specific kind of satire that this movie is doing. Yeah. I remember sitting there being like, "Wow, that's such a great funny line," and like, "Wow, they're going to top that." And then they just <laughs> he stands up and yells that dumb meaningless thing. <laughs> yeah, and it is like it's it's like a, there's like a kind of a long setup because they they're doing the the we can't afford a blank gap joke multiple Constantly. times. Constantly, yeah, we doomsday gap is when they do yeah yeah, yeah there's the first doomsday gap and i think there's another gap and then there's yeah. the mine shaft gap <laughs> it's just so like and and like that scene is so dense like it, the movie's very short yeah. shorter than war games even but like it's so and, dense with jokes and, and so dense with like stuff going on and not only is it short it's short and there's a good percentage of the movie is just people pressing buttons Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the script of this movie must have been, like, a pamphlet. Right. <laughs> and that's what I think is so interesting, especially because this movie, like, the plot is kind of complicated a little bit. I mean, not really. A little bit, yeah. But, like, it's what's so interesting about it is, and, and this is, I think, a highbrow movie. We're doing the, the highbrow lowbrow, which, you know, this is the podcast to do it. Uh, it just sort of unfolds. Like, with war games, it's, like, scene one, you know, the these, these military guys can't, like, don't pull the trigger on launching a nuke. Yeah. How do we solve that problem? We put, a like, a doomsday computer in place. Right. Now that's set up. Now we can go to the plot. And this movie is just sort of like, you know, like, everything's going along as normal. And people are talking around. And it's only, like, 20 minutes in that someone, like, Mandrake realizes that Colonel Ripper is, like... Insane. ...has started a nuclear war because he, like, has weird sex stuff going on. Yeah, and then the doomsday device is, like, the midpoint of the movie. Right. Like, it's already bad that there's going to be a nuclear war provoked. But then, like, that's the point where they really heighten it to, like, oh, yeah, by the way, we have a doomsday device. Yeah. Um, which, oh, interesting point. They make a whole point in Dr. Strangelove of, you idiot, why didn't you tell us about a doomsday device? It's not a deterrent if you yeah. don't know you can explode the whole planet. Yeah. And funny enough, like, that's kind of an issue with more games. Because the Joshua is basically a doomsday device. He's a Joshua the Rope. Not intentionally. Right. Well, the whole thing is if there's a response, if the Soviets attack us, we need to be able to make sure there's a computer that can step in right. and like launch the missiles. Yes. So like that is only a deterrent to the Soviets striking. Like if the Soviets don't know that that machine, that computer's there, they, they like the U.S. government. If you're doing deterrence here, you need to go to the Soviets and say, "Hey, if you're thinking about knocking out our like guys, you know, our our Although, tr trigger guys, you know, or if you're worried that we're not going to retaliate, you know, we've got this 
you know, Doomsday Computer. Although we'll say that's true, but yeah. as the movie presents it, the problem is that it's also the yeah, problem right. is not Soviet centered. It's around Argo. Is that human like empathy might be a problem? Right. We're not. But we're too. We're, we're too bloodthirsty. Or not bloodthirsty enough. Yeah. 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 It's that. It's that. that, is that, is that they're because their whole thing is like, oh, twenty percent of the guys didn't turn the button, which is also seems like a pretty good ratio. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. If you're trying. Yeah. I mean, that's like okay. It's like you know, twenty percent is like one fifth. So you're trying to launch five nukes and you launch four. You only need one, yeah, to like annihilate the planet. Well, not the whole not planet, really. but like if you hit someone with one nuke, like you know, you've, you've made a statement. I think, yeah. and also we have like mm, hundreds of nukes. I think we have a lot, right? I think. Well, the whole I remember growing up, the whole uh, I mean, I don't know if it was true or not, but like the viral fact was that like the United States could blanket the entire planet in just nuclear explosions like three times. Oh, was the idea or just the land, not the oceans? But it wouldn't matter because I think the oceans would just like disintegrate like they evaporate if in, if you launch them any nukes like the whole planet would overheat i i'm not a nuclear scientist i remember there was like a whole but i thing don't think that. that's how that works honestly i think i'm quoting like terminator 3 rise of the machines i think there's like a bit where they describe <laughs> oh that documentary they were like there's a bit where they describe what judge had going to happen at judge and that might even be terminator 2 i don't know there's a scene in one of the terminators where yeah. they talk about how bad things are going to get when they if that many nukes went off. That sounds like a Terminator two. Thing. It does feel like a Terminator two, but also Terminator three is all about Judgment Day, like actually happening. I forgot that existed. Yeah, Terminator three. Is that the one with the lady Terminator? Yes. T three. Yes. Uh, Who's that actress? What's her name? Is uh, she? She not? was a model. I think it was one of those things where it's just like she wasn't like an act previous actor. It was just like we got this. It's sort of like the Schwarzenegger. Thing. Yeah, like I was going to say it worked for them the first time, right? Although Rick Robert Patrick in, is the second one who's a, who's like a good actor. Had he been in Commando before that though? I don't know. I don't think so. I think Conan is before it. Yeah, he'd been in some stuff. Yeah, because I think and he, obviously he was in uh, the Long Goodbye for one scene for no reason with no yeah. dialogue. And I was going to say I think his actual first movie is Hercules in New York. Very possible. Which is where because they. They cast him when the when the casting agents called his agent. They told him that he had quote stage experience, which was being on the bodybuilding stage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is very funny. We should. You know what? Honestly, uh, I don't know how we would do this, but a highbrow, lowbrow Arnold would be fun. I just don't know that there's a highbrow Arnold, like off the top of my head. Like maybe we just do a long goodbye, even though he has he's just he's in, in the background one of one scene it? and it has no dialogue. Yeah, hey, would Total Recall be the highest brow? Yeah, but it's like, just because it's, like it's not. It's like it's like very it's schlocky, it's pretty kitschy and campy. Yeah, but it is like uh, Paul Verhoeven, and he's like a smart man who like has things on his but mind. But he's like Paul Verhoeven is like the Jeff Koons of film, where it's like <laughs> he is exploring lowbrow in a way that kind of in a highbrow way, but it is still deeply lowbrow. Right. I'm just thinking. In the broader context of Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, like what's the low, like the lowest brow Schwarzenegger is junior? Maybe, honestly, yeah, that's probably it. I can, or Hercules in New York, maybe. Or like oh yeah, I mean that one's like Conan, insane. Like, can, yeah, like a Total Recall at least has like stuff. Yeah. Or, or honestly, Terminator Two, just because it's well made. Yeah, it's a good movie. Terminator One, I feel is highbrower than Terminator Two. Maybe I feel like Two is one I, is like it's more serious. One is more serious, but I feel like Two tries to deal with the themes more. A little bit. There's like the whole mm. thing of like he's a machine, but like he like learns to love and stuff. Like, but yeah, that's but, a little but they more show it in like goofy ways. In like, but it's there. It's there. No, I'm not saying I I'm, like that movie. Oh yeah, I mean, I I I think Schwarzenegger's whole filmography is decidedly lowbrow to my knowledge. I have not seen every single Schwarzenegger. Yeah, movie. I'm having trouble thinking of because it's just all action stuff. There's very yeah. little. Like he, and the, rightfully so. He should not be in non-action stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's funny. He never did the, like, I'm going to just give myself over to an alter and let them do what they want. You know, like, you know, like even like Tom Cruise is another guy who's like very famously I mean, James protective of his, like, image. Yeah. You know, like, has like, don't, you know, he's done Paul Thomas Anderson and like Oliver Stone and like Cameron Crowe movies where he's just like, all right, like, just, it's your vision, not mine. Whereas, 
yeah, like the closest you have is him going to get to James Cameron, but that's still very much in his wheelhouse. Yeah, you know, because well, uh, I, I I feel like because he comes from a different world, like a not like a non creative world of yeah. bodybuilding, he seems like he's not too. He doesn't have these aspirations of being an artist. He's just like, yeah, I'm doing a doing a job. I don't know anything about. Uh, the yeah, man. he seems very passionate about making good kinds of the movies he makes. At least a certain point. But then again, I, guess, I, guess, I, guess, I like, don't even know that. Heard, heard that many interviews with him. Yeah, is Pumping Iron high, the highest brow because it's a documentary? <laughs> Maybe yeah, just because of that. <laughs> even though it's very much a schlock, like like not high brow. It's not schlocky. I not mean, schlocky is other word. It's, it's about goofy guys. That's that's what I'm trying. Yeah. It's very goofy. Like not the, schlocky. The, the subject matter is goofy, but the documentary itself is you know pretty. Straightforward. Yeah, this he's is, so funny in that. He's I mean, he's the most likable man in that movie. He's an incredibly charismatic person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean the, the Patton Oswalt routine of like how improbable his success is is like just the final word on that. I yeah. Feel like. Uh, so nuclear war. Oh yeah, should we talk about these movies? <laughs> we should. Um. Uh. So here's the thing: the opening scene of War Games. Right. Uh. Good. I was genuinely like very when I was a kid. I saw it. I saw this movie. It's like one of my my dad like brought it home of like you oh, know. Hopefully you can remember it. Um, and, uh, and, uh, whatever, man, <laughs> they're not at all home runs. Sometimes it's a bunt. Sometimes it's a sacrifice bunt you where it bounces off up. the ground and hits you in the balls. Whatever, man. You just got to get on base. Yeah. Uh, that scene is, uh, generally very scary. Yeah. Uh, I was very like, uh, disturbed by it as a kid just cause it, it, the movie, you know, doesn't tell you that this is just a test. It's so, as far as you know, yeah. the move, this movie about nuclear war is starting with like, two people launching a nuclear weapon and like the concept of that much like death is just very affecting and like mm-hmm. i remember that like playing it that seriously like that is a way in which war games which is also often very a bit cavalier about you know nuclear war i mean he's like he hacks in the pentagon and all that stuff yeah but he but doesn't it, do it in a he doesn't think he's doing right, no it. i'm saying that the movie is actually doing the it's work goofy, of taking yeah. the stakes seriously oh, even yeah. though it is like a goofy movie and starting out with that scene is specifically like it kind of casts a pall over the whole yeah, everything like it's it's not just this. Oh, the stakes of the whole world will explode. But like it's like you see how like you go through the emotions of that of, of processing that before you plug into the the silliness of the rest of the yeah movie. for sure yeah I mean and it also there there's something about how it's like the world of adults and then kind of like children entering this world of adults yeah and then weirdly. Sometimes you would think that children would have a more cavalier take on it, but in this case, they actually have more empathy than the adults sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I mean, again, later, that's all this, all the stuff with Professor Falcon at the end. Right. Um, where he's just kind of like a nut and yeah. like just has no empathy for anything because he's sad. Yeah. Uh, which is hit or miss for me, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, act three of that movie I had a couple problems with. I mean, I like the mo- I like, I like good this movie. movie a lot. These are both it's good, good movies. Yeah. I mean, one of them is, is a, is like a five star, like one of the great movies. Yeah. And the other one is War Games, and that, but that's fine. You don't have, yeah. not every movie is. Yeah. And the other one is, was a four star that kind of like borked it in the last, <laughs> in the last act for me. Classic, classic four star borking situation. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Um, uh, you know what? Here, I'll, let's get this out of the way. Doctor Strangelove, directed by Stanley Kubrick. K- Kubrick. Kubrick. Huh? Eh, I don't know. I'm trying to be silly. Yeah. Eh. Uh, written by Stanley Kubrick. Fine, we'll be not silly. Wait, okay, that was, but not Kubrick. Different men. Okay. Similar men. Wow. Never seen the same place at the same time though. Interesting. Uh, Terry South and Terry Southern and Peter George. Peter George wrote the book. It's based on Red Alert. Uh, I did not know it was based on the book. Uh, funny, funny. Everything uh, Kubrick ever made was based on the book. Oh. Except, funny enough, uh, 2001, but that's because the book and the movie were being written concurrently together. It was like a project that him and uh, Arthur C. Clarke had like conceived oh. of while talking to each other. And so like, that's how that, so that's kind of neat. Interesting. Uh, War Games, directed by John Badham or Bad Ham. Bad Ham, not Bad, a good ham. Bad Ham. Uh, but 
I looked at his filmography. He's had like a good little career. Like he's had like. What are some highlights? I'll, I'll, okay, hold on. I'll, oh, I'll, I thought you had it up. It's fine. I did not. No, but I actually do want to go into because he's kind of. A, it's sort of like the uh, uh, whoever directed Weekend at Bernie's, where you look at it, uh, Terry Kitchoff or something. Oh well, he, he's in First Blood, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, written by Lawrence Lasker and Walter F. Parks. Uh, Saturday Night Fever was directed what? by John Benham. Oh, I think I remember seeing that. That's pretty wild. As was War Games, which we talked about, yeah. and Short Circuit, which was another kind Short of classic. Short Circuit's a weird one. Uh, I've never seen... Have you seen Short Circuit? I have not. It's one of those... I, I have this issue with the 80s. And I specifically... Well, I like the 80s more than you do. I just feel like... It, I think there's this very specific kind of like 80s nostalgia that kind of has... I, I think we're getting past it a little bit. For the last 10 years, was very much had a stranglehold on film bro. Or not film bro, like film uh, nerd culture. Well, because those film nerds all grew up with them. Right. So like, if you're me and you're just like, you love seeing movies and you like watching old movies and stuff. And then, you know, on all the forums. People and are then, screaming about how good Gremlins is. Right. Yeah. You go like, what's playing at the Arrow this week? Uh, you know, it's a, a great uh, repertory theater in Santa Monica that I love going to. And it's just sort of like, oh, cool. It's short circuit. I don't need to see short circuit on the big screen on 35 millimeter. It's not like, yeah. it didn't speak to me. But then again, you know. If we hit this with the 90s, there's like bad movies from the 90s I would love if they did that. Like, you know, if they did Independence Day, that'd be cool. Yeah. Maybe not I, that specific. I'm trying to think of a good example of like no, a short circuit. I know what you mean. Short, you know, there's like the we're new- back a dinosaur story. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I, 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 I am more of the nostalgia for the 80s, even though I didn't mm-hmm. grow up in the 80s, but I watched those movies a lot as a kid. Yeah. Like, I love John Hughes movies. Mm-hmm. I think they're just well-written, and it's got a kind of a yeah. fun sensibility that I like. Yeah. They're good. No, they're good. I mean, I'm not saying there's no good movies were made in the 80s. I just always felt that, oh, culturally, in the specific zone of the discourse I live in, like, all those movies were punching above their weight. Yeah. They're- I mean, this is, like, my frustration from people, like, you haven't seen The Sandlot? I'm like, no, like, I don't care. You like The Sandlot. I, yes, I've been told that multiple times this weekend. <laughs> So it just comes up. Yeah, yeah. I should. I got. It's one of those ones I gotta watch. So people will just keep stop telling me it's good. Because it's funny. I feel like it's being built up. It's it's really is just a good like when you're a kid hanging out with your friends in the summer movie. And baseball is like the thing that they do. And it's also a good baseball movie. Right. But like the, I, you know, I don't really care about baseball anymore. I played it when I was a kid. Okay. But like you know, it's just it's very very sweet. It's just a bunch of boys hanging out in the summer. Uh, it's like basically Stranger Things, except none of the Stranger Things. Oh, it's just things. <laughs> just yeah, it's just like it's like Stranger Things if they just kept playing D and D for the whole like run of the <laughs> I, show. I think you're just you're describing Freaks and Geeks. <laughs> I think I am. Yeah. I, man, I should watch Freaks and Geeks. Oh yeah, you. It's a very good show. I know, and it feels like very one much of a, the best shows. It seems like the kind of thing that I would I would really enjoy. Nuclear yeah. War. Oh yeah, uh, should we talk about these movies? <laughs> Which it's funny that we're avoiding because we both love we like both these movies. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's uh, a, right. oh okay. Here you. Uh, go. If you had something, I was just gonna bitch about the ending. You know what? Let's do that. Let's 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 okay cross that okay. Rubicon. Let's just let's just cross <laughs> off me complaining about logic <laughs> because I know it's pedantic and stupid and it's not what movies are about. But the fact that they win by making it play tic tac toe against itself, which presumes that it has never run the tic-tac-toe game ever or it only played against other humans right yeah okay and then also that they tell it to run the simulation that it's supposed to do all the time anyway yeah like it should have just done that oh see funny that's so so i rewound that part because you know yeah sometimes i'm like taking notes and doing other stuff watch because so the timeline is they they okay they got to teach joshua the supercomputer that that stalemates exist right that like that teaching it futility that right. it can, there are games you can that no one can win, right? Uh, which like Professor Falcon's like I never learned that. It's like eh, you know, um, sure. yeah, but, well, yeah. Okay, we're on board. You're the magic professor man. Okay. Yeah, I'm fine with it up till then. So then, so they're like, okay, let's have him play 
Tic-Tac-Toe, another game that no one can win. A game that is in its operating system and has been from the beginning. You would think would be the first game they would try to run on their machine when they were like testing it out. But here's the thing. It doesn't... I, if, if unless I, I, I rerun the scene a couple times, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. It runs the tic tac toe over and over again and keeps stalemating like constantly. Yeah. And then it just runs the simul. It then it makes the choice to then like it makes the connection of like oh if this game I can't win, let me make sure I run this other thing. Like if they don't then say run all the war nuclear. No, war, you're right. Yeah, you are right. That's but, crazy. It yeah, just no, th- that's, that's like a level of like personality that I think was not present previously. Yeah. No. It like fully becomes like a little boy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but like. The whole machine is designed to just run nuclear war simulations all day. Yeah, it right. should have already done all of those. <laughs> oh, you're yeah, you're right. That they have a whole line of dialogue that they're like, right, this is Whopper, you know, it's Joshua, but like like Whopper, yeah. and like it's it runs war games, and then when the Russians attack, it will use that information to retaliate correctly. And it didn't figure out in like whatever the <laughs> ten years or however long it was online that nuclear war is hard to win. Like right. Anyway, it's it's really pedantic. Like cuz also like I don't know what the better solve is for that. Like cuz and thematically it works really well because yes. it gets you to that very good line of, you know, sometimes the only winning move is not to play. Right. Which is good. Yeah. And that's and the connecting, you know, whoever what screenwriter thought of uh whichever member that writing team thought of, you know, connecting the futility of tic-tac-toe and futility of nuclear war. Smart. Good for this movie, yeah. which is about, you know, war and games and and war games. And war games. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That is that is the thematic move of taking the word war and the word games and putting the to space in between them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. It's like it's like good writing on like a mechanical level kind of I don't know. It's like all the pieces are fitting together, but it's like kind of silly. It's the thing where if you think about it for more than half a second, you're like, wait, I, this doesn't actually make literal sense. But you yeah. kind of, you forget because the movie's pretty charming, and I think it's like a it's like an interesting solve. It's not like they rush and press the button at the right time, right? You know? Exactly, because that's the only other solution I can think of is yeah. just like they upload the empathy chip into him, <laughs> and that would yeah. suck. It's like the, it it's it's weird because I feel like I mean we've talked a lot about when is it highbrow or lowbrow to have things not make sense, right? Like sometimes it's lowbrow if you're just like let's just get to the action right and sometimes it's highbrow if it's uh like things making sense doesn't matter for what we're doing right yeah if it's just like a um just like an art film where like the literal truth what's happening is not really is is pretty fluid yeah here it's kind of neither i don't know it's it's just sort of because it's not like more column a to me which i feel like it's what makes this low oh the other thing that makes it lowbrow is that there's like a teenage romance in the middle of it. Right, which is yeah, funny for them. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's great. I'm happy for them. Yeah, Ali Sheedy is adorable. Yeah. I love it. Matthew Broderick, also adorable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it's it just feels like maybe it was the best of like a lot of pitches. And yeah. it does make it makes like pl- it makes like movie sense, but it doesn't make literal sense, right? And that's the, it's emotional. It's it's like they went for the correct emotional ending, yeah. even though if you like, you know, you're just kind of a groaner. It's like that first draft, you're like, you know, and then like in the end, in Act Three, something like they'll t- show a tic tac toe, and then that'll connect to the thing, something, yeah. like, something like that. And yeah. then they just never really found out the version that made sense, <laughs> right? And then they just like, did a bunch of cocaine, and they woke up and like, I guess we filmed that they're movie. Like, Matthew should fuck Ali Sheen. <laughs> Dinosaurs. Uh, dinosaurs. <laughs> No, you're right. So to me, I mean that that very ending is very silly. I like where it gets to. Like, I like yeah. that last line. To me, I think the movie um, is is a lot of fun in the first half, especially because the hacking is very fun. And it's Matthew a good depiction very fun. of hacking. Oh, it's let's yeah. I mean, it's it's actually like what real hacking is, which is social Guessing engineering passwords. Yeah. yeah, it's not like you just sit at a computer and magically like like the worst <laughs> is like hackers where you're seeing like a video game happen, basically. Right. Exactly. And yeah. you're just like yeah, but really, hacking is like t- tricking people into giving you their passwords 
so you can like get into there or yeah. like finding exploits for like publicly available information to get passwords to get into which it. they also do in this movie right exactly yeah. and like that's really smart and i really that's all a lot of fun yeah um and then i think and also i think it's doing a pretty good job of like dealing with the nuclear war stuff like for in a very like basic way of like you know the kind of like he's the slick presidential aide and he's like the guy who's like we need to go to computers and then like the general the tough general is like nah we gotta go with good old-fashioned men yeah, I do like how the general is kind of the voice of empathy amongst the government agents. Right, because normally that character is very bloodthirsty. Yeah, and he's not. Like, he's taking it very seriously. He's, like, he's the one who's on the phone with the guy in Alaska. Yeah. He's the one who's talking about how you need to have people as part of this process. Like, it, yeah. weirdly, he is the voice of reason when usually that military guy role is the is the, like, kind of evil Right, character. he's, like, just needlessly, like, I want people to die they, like weirdly, like more like some of the characters in Doctor Strange, exactly. love, where they're like excited to just kill people. Yeah, the guy from the guy from the Hustler. I can't remember that actor's name. From the oh, uh, uh, George C. Scott. Yes, uh, he's the general. He's General Buck Turgeson. Yes, the one who's sleep, sleep, sleeping yes. with the secretary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the Hustler. He's really good in the Hustler. I mean, he's, George C. Scott's one of the, yeah. the great actors of the last century. I love him so much. Yeah, uh, Patton. He's Patton. Oh Patton. yeah, I haven't seen. I need to see Patton. He's good in Patton. I know. I've heard. I've heard famously good in Patton. <laughs> There's a big flag. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, even just that speech where he does that. Anyway, high roller bro general biopics. We'll get to it. Um, general topic. General topic. <laughs> high roller bro generals, and we just do like Patton, and then just like a movie about anything else. General chat. General chat. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah, so so war games, and I I think it's dealing with nuclear war like in a way that's like you know, in a very like base surface level surface level way. It's not kind of grappling with the like nihilistic like, absurdity of it in the way that Dr. Strangelove is in its yeah. own way. What's the specific scene you're thinking of? For uh, war games? Yeah, where I mean, they're dealing with that way. I mean, there's the opening scene is a lot. And yeah, then just, that one's really big. And then the one where they call the guy, the, the one that you mentioned, we call oh, the guy yeah. in Alaska. Mm -hmm. um, and then just the, like the, they, when, you know, when they're going to DEFCON, whatever, they're like, they're very serious about it. And like, you yeah. know, like, let's take his DEFCON forward. Let's do like, let's cross the T's and dot the I's before we like launch nuke, stuff like that. Yeah, it, it's I, not I appreciate it. Right. It's I'm not, not perfect. I'm not saying it's like, yeah, like a, a Paul Greengrass level, like fly on the wall, like this is what it is, like Captain no. Phillips is what it's like, but it is good. And it also... For it, a, what this movie's doing. It also doesn't like swing too far into like rah-rah, the army's the best, like go America stuff. Yeah. It's just that they are people doing the jobs who also have empathy. Right. And it's just a very specific job. Right. I think what, so here's something I think is really interesting. I'd like to get your take just comparing the two movies, how they deal with the Russians. Because in. Well, the Russians don't appear in. Sorry, what are you going to say? Well, that's about what I was going to say. Yeah. Is that either the Russians are not really uh, an entity in war games, just except to say that, like, they are con they're occasionally, occasionally referencing, like, the Russians are wondering why we're doing this. And then half the time, the Russians they're dealing with do not exist. That's like a the big plot point in the movie is that there are no actual Russian nukes or Russian subs and stuff. Right. Yeah. It's the, all like a phantom. Right. Yeah. The issue is that yeah, so yeah, Matthew Broderick accidentally hacks into the Pentagon and I mean, yeah, that's the silliest thing. Right. Yeah. It's because he's trying to uh, um, get a video game. Right. Which uh, quick shout out to he's calling random phone numbers in Sunnyvale, California. Sunnyvale, yeah. uh, where my fiance's from. Oh. Uh, also, it was just like it's where like tech was. It's like where all the game companies were at the time. Right. So he's just calling around randomly, and for some reason, one of them is like the Pentagon. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like or, no, it's Norad. It, it's Norad. It was Norad. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, and so he's he thinks he's playing a game, so he launches nukes in the game at the U.S. So Joshua, like the computers playing against respond to the actual yeah i mean that's also an insane thing that the simulation like just 
I don't know. The, the fact that the simulation online and the simulation in real life are that in, linked. Oh, I actually they don't on. really. Do they explain it? I think I might be misremembering because I think what it is is that they're. He, so he launches the nukes in the game because he's playing as Russia. Yeah. Because you know, he's like a, a gamer. That's what they do. Yeah. He plays a bad guy. So he shoots through. And then, so I think the issue is that the Americans uh, see the, the fake bombs coming. Right. And they think they're real. So they're going to retaliate by like, physically pressing the, like, It's not that Joshua's retaliating. But then Joshua, in the end, is going to right. send the nukes. Right. At the end, they think they've done, they think they've solved the problem because they've convinced the, US, the, the generals that they're fake bombs. Right. Uh, that there is not a nuclear war coming. But then Joshua just sort of like, Grabs the reins. Yeah, and it's unclear why. Right. I, now that I'm thinking about it, that's another thing that just sort of they threw in at the end. There's a handful of these. Like, yeah. in the beginning in the end, it kind of like... the Yeah, it's kind of like a little bit of a broken premise that then falls apart at the end a little bit. Yeah. But the middle part's all great. Yeah, it's, well, that's the thing. it's very, very fun when it's like the kid in the adult's world, you know, the, the Pac-Man fever, he's a cool hacker kid stuff is fun. Yeah. He's at the arcade, and, and he's him and Nally Sheedy are have like a romance and stuff. Yeah, and that's like just very straight, like, 80s romance. Oh, I yeah. guess I didn't answer your question about how I feel about the Russians. <laughs> yeah, well, comparing the two. Okay, so you're, <laughs> let's look back around again, because in Doctor Strangelove, they're a major presence. Yeah, so there's an actual Russian in the room, which is very, like, he'll say a big board, very yeah. funny line. Um, I'll say, actually, interestingly... In a way, the absence of the Russians in war games is kind of a more effective, like, symbol of what Russia means to us. Right. Or what it meant to us in the Cold War, at least. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, it's this unseen enemy that is mostly from within. Yeah. And it's us kind of fighting against ourselves. Yeah. And the fact that they, the fact that they are not actually a human entity to us is part of the problem. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, like, that is, like, I think very smart because it's like, the whole thing of the Cold War was it was two sides that were so afraid of what the other one could do that they did a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know that it's all a lot more complicated than that and a lot of proxy wars and stuff. I'm but not that a, happened a lot. Like, yeah, there is, was a lot of that. Yeah. There's no doubt. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's like we would be afraid that they would they were developing some technology so then we would develop the same, what we thought they had of technology. Right. The Doomsday Gap. Yeah. It's the Doomsday Gap exactly. from like, Dr. Strangelove. Like, we did that all the time yeah. with a lot of weird stuff. Right. And I think that's like, and and to compare that to the to what Doctor Strangelove is doing, Doctor Strangelove is like just has this much broader or, or wider scope of what it's trying to do. Whereas yeah. that's like depicting that one mindset. Like Doctor Strangelove is sort of like this whole thing across every country is just this like bizarre like brain rot, basically. Yeah. Like every like the Russians are dumb, the Americans are dumb. They're all like super insecure and defensive all the time. Even like as even like the one British character, Colonel Mandrake, is just like. Like too polite to like yeah. solve the problem at yeah. hand. Yeah. <laughs> like the nuclear war is happening. He's like, oh, what do you say, Jack? Maybe we should uh, stop this. You know, and yeah. he's just and just not yeah. not as new at all. But it's funny. Like Strange Love does show the Russians as an antagonistic force. Because oh yeah, I mean, there's there's the funny part where they show that the Russians are kind of the same as them, which is Peter Sellers on the phone with the Russian premier. And the Russian Who's, premier is drunk. He's Russian premier is you don't hear him, but he's fucking hilarious. Right, yeah, Alexei. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then like the actual Russian ambassador who is actually trying to take photos at the yeah at the, in the beginning and then at the end you actually see him taking because at first it's unclear whether it was actually planted or not right general uh, general turgeson like uh, tackles him off screen saying he was trying to take pictures and the, and the russian diplomat you're just like no no this guy's planning on me and then at the very end when he they're is, arguing about the mine shaft gap he sneaks off, even though the world is about yeah, to end it's totally pointless at that point he still goes off and like tries to spy on them and take yeah. a picture of the big board but it shows the russians as this very real antagonistic force that has a face yeah. and are also humans and are also equally dumb as us right. and are on the same level as us yeah but in war games the russians are just an unseen enemy that is mostly in our own head right exactly. which is like a kind of a different 
a different level of it's like the two aspects of the Cold War, which is the amount that we were actually fighting the Russians yeah. is strange love, and the amount that we were actually just fighting ourselves is war game, like f- playing a war game, right? Which is what War Games is about. Yeah, it's a good title, actually. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it's even, smart. It's an even better title than I realized after just saying that. Right, exactly. Just like the absurdity of that idea of like a game of war, but even though it's like yeah. real consequences and because and all that stuff. weirdly the Russians didn't ever even really have to know. Oh no, the Russians did have to know about it because the, the threat is of the Russian response. Yeah, but like the Russians. Like they don't have to be a character in that movie because the whole movie's happening on our side. Right, exactly. Like they the Russians are occasionally like, we're wondering why they why the Americans went to DEFCON four. Yeah. But they're never this the threat is not that the Russians will retaliate to a fake weapon. Yeah, it's that is that the US will retaliate to a fake Russian attack. Yeah. And then that they will but yeah, then, then that, that, they will that, retaliate to, to a, a real, real attack. attack. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But the Russians are a fixed point in that. Yeah. It's like we're not dealing with other humans and trying to like we we are kind of we are actually they were arguing with the Russians like oh it's not real like you yeah. have to believe us yeah but most of the time it's us just trying to stop our our shit from going on right which is smart because like in in war games it's sort of like this more I, I don't want to say like simple but like it's a more stripped down thesis which is you know nuclear war is a bad thing right. that like and the fact that we're so like enamored of it is like is going to lead to bad things. And we need to be more empathetic and solid. It's, I guess, it's and more... also arguing for like the human element in yeah. war and I guess in decision making on a government level. Yeah. Whereas Doctor Strangelove is sort of this like very, uh, uh, like just very cutting, very sweeping satire of like just the, like the, the absolute of government and like, <laughs> like the kind of people who have put in place these insane things. Yeah. Like to give a little context, like uh, historical context, uh, this from Wikipedia, if I get this wrong, don't blame me. Um, my 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 fans. Yeah. Um, so Stanley Kubrick. My fans, you can get mad. At <laughs> Stanley Kubrick wanted to make a movie about nuclear Armageddon, like a serious movie. That was his first idea. Yeah, uh, he starts doing research. He talks to like this professor who was like a because like, there were a lot of like professors of like nuclear like philosophy right. at the time who were like you know of like uh, of just like what you how the kind of decisions like you eth- have to make. Yes, that's yeah. what I'm looking for. Uh, and then he directed him to the word with the book Red Alert, okay. which was you know the plot of Doctor Strange. Love something goes wrong. You know, yada yada, mm-hmm. um, and so he starts writing the movie, the adaptation of like a straight laced adaptation of Red Alert, and he, I, I don't know the exact quote, but basically, Is Red Alert not a satire. No, it's a oh. it's a completely serious okay. book about like with of the plot of Doctor Strange of of like you know there's a, you know a rogue general or something. I think it's rogue general. Basically, a, a plane gets sent to bomb Russia, right? And like they have to. Is the that, Doomsday Device part of it? I'm not sure. I haven't read it. I've heard it's good. Because um, the Doomsday Device feels like it would be hard to make a not funny version of that, right? Because the whole thing, the whole idea is that they didn't tell anybody about it, right? I think it's more that like there's like an automatic response, so the right. Russians aren't. It's it's probably a little more realistic, yeah. But basically, Kubrick said that like he decided it had to be a comedy because he kept having to leave out some of the really absurd things about like this nuclear war, nuclear deterrent, because he thought it was just like too silly that yeah. this thing happens, exists. So he's yeah. like, this has to be like a comedy because otherwise it's just like all the idiocy of oh, yeah, the doomsday guy, the mind chef guy, like all that stuff is like, or just the idea that like we just had planes run with nuclear weapons running at Russia and them running at us nonstop and going back. Yeah, which we still do. Right, like, yeah. with Russia still? Yeah, I no. think, yeah. I hope we I feel like we don't have to anymore. We have like we have intercontinental, intercontinental ballistic missiles now. I feel like we we're still doing we, it. We have like airspace and stuff. Yeah, but right it just, we're like testing out. Like yeah, just the fact that we had that and just like what if just like one someone pressed the wrong button on the radio one time and just like some guys like oh some planes like I guess we keep going this time. Yeah, like it's such a really dumb razor thin margin that we were in for like decades. I guess we it's hard to appreciate 
with the context in which this movie came out because I feel like I've never really worried about nuclear war, like more recently, but like for most of my life. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so so that's the that's the general. I mean, context. that's kind of like why. it's kind of like when you hear about like MK Ultra or like all the goofy nonsense that the CIA was up to in like the sixties yeah. through like the eighties where they were just like giving a bunch of soldiers like LSD and just yep. seeing what they could do right. or like trying to do mind control. And so, like, they seriously came for the premise of, like, okay, we're going to try to achieve mind control. And then they, which is like just... You got to try. Yeah. yeah. And then like, well, we got to figure this out. We don't have any idea of how we're going to do it. So we're just going to try a bunch of shit, which is like a crazy way to go about that. Right. It's like funny objectively for us, but not so funny for the Hoots guys who are like pump full of LSD. Yeah. There was one day where they had a really good day. Have you ever seen like the videos? I have not. There's these videos from... Edgewood, I think it was a precursor MK Ultra. Okay. There's this like military base called Edgewood where they would just give a bunch of soldiers a bunch of acid and have them do like an obstacle course. And it is the funniest thing trying to see an, a soldier on acid in the 60s trying to do an <laughs> obstacle course because they just immediately like get distracted. Right. He, like, he like takes his shirt off. He's just like wandering around. They like interview him afterwards. And it's also like the 60s, so there's not like a lot of like cultural context for what acid is. These guys right. are probably like, what is happening? Right. There's not like they haven't seen like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Like they haven't. Yeah. Listen to a bunch of like Seth Rogen jokes about taking acid. Yeah, and also the like, military guys are probably pretty relatively straight laced. They don't ne- they're not necessarily like prepared for what to expect when somebody gives right. you a bunch of acid. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure like the generals are not like helping them with that. No. no. <laughs> I think they might be actively antagonizing them. <laughs> it is I mean, that's really I guess that's really the context. I think that's what makes the specific satire of Doctor Strange look like so interesting and cutting, is that like, you know, there was like I guess the counterculture had had existed but this is like 1962 it's not like you know flower power 60s were in full bloom to like to have this movie that's such a specific takedown of the kind of like like people like ridiculous people who take themselves seriously in our military and and government is i i I have no idea what the reaction the reaction i guess was great everyone loved this movie yeah but it's just like really uh um it's funny that war games has less of that silliness yeah on the part of the military people Right. Like the satire, like the silliness is often from the children, from the kids. Right. And uh, there's like the, the professor. Um, Falcon. Falcon. Yeah. Professor Falcon is silly, but yeah. it, he's like portrayed as he's silly because he's like retired and kind of just like gone. And like he's grieving his son and, and that messed him yeah. up. Yeah. And, and and, yeah. And he's kind of just like gone, whatever, gone rogue. And he's, he's kind of lost it a little bit. Yeah. But they don't have as much of the actual satire with how the generals are. There's, there's like a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's like kind of throwaway line. I I I did flag. Uh, let me find it. I wrote it down. That I think War Games does a nod to the you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Oh, they do say something like that. It's in like the war room. very. Uh, uh, oh, they say you can't run in here. Someone who get hurt. I mean, it, yeah, I that's know funny. It's, it's like there's no reason to have him that line there. Yeah. I guess if you're not like referencing the Doctor Strange love. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, and it, you know, I mean, it's it. Doctor Strange love is a tough movie to talk about because I've seen it so many times. Right, and almost every scene is like. Memes to death, at least for film people, and like I've seen, referenced a lot. But the you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Very, yeah, is really funny, and yeah. the fact that they kind of pause awkwardly right after he says it, they're both like kind of all staring at each other. It's just really funny, and they're like, they're two grown men fighting. Yeah. It's like a general and a diplomat. That in itself yeah. is just inherently bizarre. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, but yeah, I do feel like like the biggest moments of that movie are such small parts of it, and there's so much more people flipping switches and airplanes than I remember. Just oh, so much more. Oh yeah, well in the in the cockpit. Yeah, right. Well, that's what I think is so like just from a filmmaking perspective is so like brilliant about this movie. Yeah, uh, the whole like you know there's three sections that are all filmed in very specifically different ways. 
like yeah. the you know they're in the cockpit and it's all quick zooms and handy cams and everyone's in each other's face and it's done very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, although Slim Pickens gets a lot of great lines. Slim Pickens is very funny. I mean, just little things like when he because uh, uh, what I think he takes I think he's good at his job. Like, yes, and I actually it's kind of heartwarming how they're all like working together. Well, yeah, they're all yeah they're all working together. They all seem like they actually care about each other and they yeah. care about their country because no one's told they don't have any idea that this is right. Like stupid. As far as they know, they're like avenging America and like yeah. fighting to like save civilization. Yeah, which is like it's nice to be able to be on those guys' side. Right. Yeah, they're not bad people. No, <laughs> but it is very funny when like as soon as they get the order, he Gets puts on a cowboy hat, hat. Take out of a safe. He's right. hiding in a safe. <laughs> like it's this weird thing of like it's kind of having its cake needed too, where it's like this is like a good soldier and like a good guy, but also he's like a rough rootin' tootin' like cowboy yeah. who should not be put in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> like he's doing his job, but no one should have given him this job. He really the yes, job shouldn't exist. He yes, and's getting dropped out of a fucking bomb <laughs> out of an airplane so hard. He's like, I'm doing a hilarious bit before I die. <laughs> That is, I mean, I get just speaking of iconic scenes that still frickin' play, like, yeah, it's fucking Slim Pickens on the ride in the nuke into Russia is great. Yeah, that and that scene feels like such like a like it's like presented to you like this is going to be the iconic scene of this movie because yeah. it's it, it you last it's really it spends a lot of time on him doing the the, the whooping and hollering. Yeah. Oh, it's very well because I. That's the thing. I always remembered it as like, pretty quick. Like he's there, he's waving a little bit. Yeah. It follows that bomb all the way into the ground. And then it cuts to white, the, cuts no, to black. Cuts to a mushroom cloud. Oh, I thought it went to black for a little bit and I then think it went to mushroom I cloud. I think you're right. Yeah. Which is a really effective, like, yeah, it's taking scary. it seriously. Yeah. yeah. Like, nuclear war and, and weapons is like fucking terrifying. And also like the death of that man. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like who, uh, who we like, who we just spoke to. Like, he's like yeah. really well. It's a, he it, had a hat. We like him. <laughs> it's such a precise, like, tight walk to do like satire in general mm-hmm. but dealing with something this serious and having a moment like that that is so crazy and then just on the turn of a dime turn to something that's actually kind of like jarring yeah to like just go silent and see a mushroom cloud and also the where there's like five minutes of mushroom clouds at the end of it right but that's no all, comment no with we'll meet again uh playing over right it. yeah the, uh, um um i think if you're a virulent Mm-hmm. That song. It's like apparently a, it was like a war anthem for like England in the forties. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like a yeah. I don't know. Or just I don't know. The British like it. There's like songs the British like that we don't really give a shit about. That's one of them. Yeah, like God Save the Queen. Right. Yeah. Th- yeah. That's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that feels like a hybrid because it's a very non-narrative thing. It is mm-hmm. just thematic, just visual. I mean, juxtaposing like visuals and sound. Yeah. And the movie's over, but just kind of just like. It's just this kind of sad image of destruction. Yeah. And that's sort of... if we're, So doing the highbrow lowbrow of it, and, and these are both movies that are dealing with a really huge, horrifying topic, and yeah. both have to minimize it somewhat to function. Because it's just, like, impossible to comprehend. Right. Otherwise, they'd be fail-safe, which is the serious version of Dr. Strangelove, which is also, like, a brilliant movie. Is it good? Oh, it's, yeah, it's really good, but it is, like, bleak. Yeah. It is, like... It is, it is like, not an easy watch, because everyone in that movie is, like... Aghast at what is happening. It's not funny. Okay, <laughs> like there's not. It, it's like anyway. Uh, I'll, I'll dig into that a little later. Um, the was I say? Oh, they're both dealing with these. Uh, this big issue. I think that there's that. It's interesting that when push comes to shove, Doctor Strangelove does have this very depressing, uh, kind of nihilistic thing at the end. With you're all arguing about the longer the mind shaft argument goes on, kind of like the funnier it is, but also the sadder it is. Cause you know that like, Oh, the whole world kind of, they're just too dumb to get it. Well, and also that they only care about themselves. Exactly. And once, once they discover that they will be okay and maybe even better, 
they're totally fine with everything. Right. And whereas in war games, when push comes to shove and it's time for the climax to happen, they have the kind of silly magical solve of let's have them play tic-tac-toe. Right. Like, and I think to me that's like the highbrow and lowbrow that like whereas Doctor Strange in a very weird way by being kind of sillier leans into like the terror of what's happening. Whereas war games is kind of giving you a, like a, a, a deus ex machina kind of literally. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Of like, yeah. we're going to get out of this to tell you a lesson. And I don't think that, again, not good or bad, but it's just, I think it's very interesting that those are the paths here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause <laughs> Dr. Strange does end with the world is about to end. Yeah. At, at that ending. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you were also talking, I think, before, because we had a little bit of a debate about whether Dr. Strangelove was highbrow or not, yeah. because I tend to think that comedy is not highbrow just because, yeah. you know, jokes are silly and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. But then you're, it seems like you kind of think that satire is inherently highbrow in a lot of ways, partly because it's like that tightrope block, right? Yeah, it's because it's so tough. I would, I would, because I was thinking about this too. And, and also, that's like an agent for change in a way, which is like a highbrow goal. Right, right. There's the um, Juvenalian satire and, and Horatian satire. Right. The, um, yeah. Which, funny, Juvenalian, the one that feels like it should be the silly one, is the serious one. Yeah. <laughs> is the one that's like trying to actually be an agent for change, whereas Horatian is just sort of like, eh, hey, you bastard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, on the satire note, I was, I actually have the note, like, satire is just comedy for like highbrow people like yeah. is, is the idea. like satire is just the highbrow version of yeah, laughter. satire doesn't actually often does not actually achieve anything it just makes you feel smart right exactly yeah. um and and not, obviously not all satire like like pop star is a lovely satire of uh no we gotta take them down of like the film of like music but yeah. like it's not i think i would call that movie high highbrow no uh, i think the lonely island would get offended if we if we did that we're like Walk hard, not satire. It's parody, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, pa- the difference between satire and parody is like having a social goal, kind of. I I think it's trying to like take down someone. Yeah. Whereas like yeah, walk because also walk hard is is doing a parody of well, it's kind of a satire on those kind of movies, but that's kind of what a parody is is all is all okay. parody satire, but not all satire is parody. Is it a is it a square rectangle situation? <laughs> oh, oh, maybe yeah. Because I guess parody is specifically imitating another format. Yeah. And satire is not necessarily making fun of format, just making fun of something. Yeah. Because, like, whatever, I'm looking at them, like, Candide is not a parody of anything. Right. It's just making real life people kind of look silly. Yes. But it's not a parody of any other. I guess it's, yeah, it, it depends on its like relationship to other media, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so, yeah, so not to say all satire is automatically highbrow, but it, I think it is an avenue where comedy can creep into the high. It allows comedy to kind of, um, to have more of a message to break the form a little bit more. Yeah. When you're like have that like that like guiding star that you're like trying to do a satire of something specifically. Mm-hmm. And I think it, that I do think it is with Doctor Strange Love. But if you want, we can we can put on our hats and 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 do the do the inverse. Of, yeah, this is lowbrow. Yeah. Of, of Doctor Strange Love's lowbrow, War Games is highbrow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Put I on mean, the hats. Doctor Strange. I mean, <laughs> on the, there's a man who rides a bomb with a cowboy <laughs> hat. That's pretty silly. Yeah. There's a lot of really. I mean. Like the the actual Doctor Strange love the character is very broad. He's very broad, silly voices, and a lot of his bits. I mean, it is making fun of like kind of how we hired a lot of Nazi scientists right. to create nuclear weapons. Yeah. So in that way, it actually is it's pretty cutting. Yeah, it's pretty cutting. But the way that he acts, I don't know if that's <laughs> specifically targeting anything. Like, no, it's making, his, it, the joke of him is that he is loud and silly. Yeah, because the funny thing is like the 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 target of satire for. 
the Nazi scientists like creating like what is it like Braun like Ver- Werner Braun yeah who like, made the V two I think so like the target for that satire should be the people that hired him right not necessarily him I mean like he's a bad guy because he was a Nazi scientist yeah but like the people that deserve being par- sat- satirized are the Americans who hired him right. And, and like actually making a goofy version of him doesn't necessarily satirize what is fucked up about what happened. Right. And the movie kind of does that in how like enamored they become of Dr. Strange. Right. Because they are of, super. <laughs> right. And they're like, and especially the part where he tells them they can just like fuck a lot of women during the yeah. apocalypse. Yeah. Um, which Ten is so fun. <laughs> well, he's so funny. <laughs> and, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll make an argument that I actually don't believe in just because we're wearing a lowbrow hat. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Doctor Strange is like kind of a sex comedy. Like, yeah, it's very preoccupied. It makes a lot of jokes about how horny all these weird, dumb old men are. Yeah, like, everyone's got weird sex issues. The precious bodily fluid stuff is so funny. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> also, it's not limited to just his sexual fluids. Yeah, it's just all, all the fluids, fluids. But sexual fluids are a key component of it. <laughs> and like everyone's kind of got weird, like little like sexual ha- like. Uh, um, I mean, there's there's like you. Buck Turgeson, like the general, yeah. sort of eyes into that whole thing, is like introduced by like his secretary, just like lounge, like yeah, sunbathing. And then <laughs> part of why he's so on board with the mine shaft is because he's like, this would break down like traditional marriage bonds, right? Because he just doesn't want to commit to his girlfriend, right? He keeps saying like, oh, you can't call me in the wardroom, like I, I will make you Mrs. Buck Turgeson. Yeah, <laughs> um, and even uh, um. Uh, the colonel who uh, rescues Mandrake at the end is like weirdly. He's all like buttoned up. His whole thing is like, I think you're a bunch of pervert, preverts. Preverts, yeah. That, that's a, such a stupid joke. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 here's my my big argument in terms of, again, I think I don't believe, but like that Doctor Strange love his lowbrow. Uh, funny names. Yep. Very funny names, Doctor Strange. If you got Major Kong. Is Slim Pickens' character? Yeah, and it's Bat Guano. Yeah, Colonel Bat Guano is yep. the guy we we're talking about. The Although that guy. is his nickname. Is it? No, it says on his... Uh, but it says, quote, Bat Guano. Oh, so his last name is Guano, but they just, yeah. uh, that's still very funny. It's still funny. That his last name is Guano. Yeah. And president, I think it's like Mervyn Muffley is <laughs> the president. Dr. Strangelove is a funny name. Yeah. Buck Turgeson's a funny name. General Jack Ripper. Yeah. Like, it's so it's service like, level. It feels like a pension book. or just like goofy names because goofy <laughs> names are funny. But that's the thing. Does it then loop around that it's such a in-your-face, obviously... Like, does it be... Does that... Because pension's very highbrow. Does... Yeah. Is it a thing? I say, I say, I say, not every single thing Pynchon does is highbrow. <laughs> calling calling a character Mike Fallopian is just funny. <laughs> like that's just funny. I don't care. Like I don't know if it's a cutting satire of anything. I think he just has a, he's a funny guy. He likes yeah. to give his characters funny names because I mean you could argue that's like an argument about like what's a fictional character's name? It's all meaningless. It's just made yeah, up shit. Cares. Yeah, N- names themselves don't mean anything other than just a bunch of letters that represent a person. I do like it when they're memorable, though. It's yeah. like, like like the one I go back to a lot is uh, Pacific Rim. Uh, Idris Elba's character's name is Stacker Pentecost. Yeah, that's wild. Which is, it just sounds. In, yeah. In, in, they're great sounds. They're all like, sounds, man. Whose name is Stacker? Whose last name is Pentecost? <laughs> Pentecost. I, I knew somebody in high school whose last name is Pentecost. Really? Yeah. Oh, you know what? If that guy has a kid, he should not name their... The first name Stacker. That should be a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it flows off the tongue very who well. Though. Names their kids Stacker. We're gonna have like one fan who's named Stacker, and who's just gonna be like, "Man, I just got into this podcast." Stacker Williams. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you, Stacker. <laughs> Turn off this podcast. This is not for you. Not a Stacker podcast. But we do like Stacker Pentecost. I like that Stacker Pentecost. Yeah. in Pacific Rim. Yeah, but, you know, just Idris Elba. He's the one who tells about he's canceling the apocalypse. Run. Have you seen the Pacific Rim? I have a long time ago. It's good. It, it didn't make a huge impression on me. It's I thought it was weird. It's robots and uh, uh, they fight monsters. Yeah, and they have to be 
two people doing the same thing together. Yeah. Because they control. In the drift. In the drift. <laughs> They're Tokyo drifting in that big ass Gundam. Speaking of movies that just have like magical solves at the end, here's a, my very minor spoiler for Pacific Rim. Um, the whole thing of Pacific Rim is like you have to find someone who you have like a compatibility with. How you can make this like incredible subconscious brain connection. It's like a good bridge partner. Right. And it takes time to like build. It doesn't always work. And like, you know, we're brothers work a lot. And there's this whole thing that like this Try brothers who fuck even better. Probably. Because like, yeah. there's this whole thing like he's trying. It's hard between him and, and Mako with uh, um, the main character. Right. And, and like that's the whole thing. So like the whole movie is like it's so hard to get this right, and it could break at any moment if you're not mentally strong. And at the end of the movie, they like need someone to what pilot of one of the ships dies, and Idris Elba was like, "I'll play the other pilot." Like, are you compatible? It's like, I take nothing of the drift. I'm compatible with everyone. It's just like just fucking end this movie. Like it's just like <laughs> they just like break the rules of the movie that of, that they've been struggling with the whole time. Just because like we got to kill these fucking monsters. We've got 20 minutes left. We get we got to wrap this shit I, up. I, I couldn't remember the end. I thought the solve was just gonna be like, oh wait, I can actually. I'm tall enough. I'm a tall guy. I can reach the other controls. <laughs> Although they do, they do make a whole point that like driving those those things by yourself just like breaks your brain. Oh, okay, yeah, which is a whole. Uh, they're they're kind of cribbing that from uh, 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 Evangelion, which mm. is like, I mean, which is obviously a huge influence there. Uh, this is anime talk with Josh. Yeah, with just Josh, because I prefer not a part of anime talk. <laughs> All I know about Evangelion is that I think there's a penguin in it because for some reason the Netflix tar- you know, Netflix targets their ads. Yeah, Netflix is like, okay, the only chance we got at getting this guy on board is if we show a penguin because I don't think he's gonna be down for any other shit. No, I get the robots. I get the robots and the monsters. Yeah, for me, it's just like <laughs> yeah. a cute ass penguin. I'm like, what is this? It's 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 not even. I like robots too. But. Right. It's just one of the characters has a pet penguin who like lives in their apartment with them. You just say that like that's nothing. That's a lot. <laughs> When you when you see what else is going on in okay. that in that like crazy ass show, when yeah. they cut to the penguin in the apartment, and you're like, this is normal. Yeah, this is very have to normal. Keep it so cold in there. <laughs> it doesn't. It's a warm weather penguin. Oh, there are warm weather penguins. Oh yeah, like the ones in like um, South America. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, but it's not because it's like, like a, a giant. Temper, it's obviously a giant emperor penguin, and apparently the warm weather ones are like little ones. Yeah, like the fairy penguins. This is penguin talk. They're very cute. <laughs> Okay. We're not talking about you know, we're talking about the penguin from Batman. <laughs> the penguin from the Batman. Or oh, the penguin, and the other Batman. And Batman Returns. Yeah. The Batman Returns and the Batman. Yeah. Two movies I watched recently. Oh, we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> penguin Talk. Penguin Talk. I actually have not seen March of the Penguins. I have not either. All right. No, just, no longer doing Penguin Talk. Yeah. Shit. Uh, okay. Hats. Oh, right. In what way is War Games doing highbrow things? I mean... I mean the fact, <laughs> the fact that it's not, they like not overly satirical like characters. The fact that like, nobody is really over the top an idiot. Right. The generals and the adults in the military are playing. They're in a pretty straight laced drama. They're, they're not. They're serious men. Right. Doing serious things. But yeah, they think that Matthew Broderick is like working with someone. He's like a terrorist basically, yeah. which is like a very serious minded thing. Yeah. Although most movies about finding terrorists are like bad action movies. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's like Zero like Dark Taylor, Soldier, Spy. Yeah, uh, that spy is not terrorist. Oh yeah, right. he's like just giving away like information. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. So, but that's kind of. Yeah, I mean, I think War Games is just trying to be like a good, yeah, thrill, like a good, like you know, teen thriller, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying right. to think of like the. Is there any way in which like the A plot serves the B plot of their like the C plot of their romance? Not really. They just kind of kiss when it's time. Yeah, because they're just kind of into each other. It doesn't really... I can't think of any ways that it ties together neatly. Not that it has to. Yeah. It would be fun to find a way, you know? Oh, can I Can I actually dig into that a little bit? Because yeah. 
um, that whole plot, like, because I, I feel like what's really weird, something like I noticed about war games, and, and I want to hear take on this is that, like, Matthew Broderick's character is not like disaffected in any way. Like, normally in this kind of movie, he'd be he's like in, not too cool for school. You mean? Yeah, like he'd he'd be like, uh, maybe disaffected the wrong word. Like he would be, uh, uh, like he'd come from like a bad home. Or he'd have like a reason to be oh, like yeah. kind of edgy and breaking the rules a lot. He does bad in school. Yeah, but like he's not so because like Back to the Future feels like a little bit of like uh, um, I guess what came after this because he has like kind of a bad time. home life. Well, yeah, he's really disappointed in his uncool family, and that's yeah. why he's like acting out and needs to be so cool and spends time with you know Doc and stuff like that. Right. And I feel like or um, uh, Terminator Two. You know, he doesn't like his foster parents, and that's why he's like this edgy kid who does all this stuff. Right. Whereas here, he just kind of is a cool guy who doesn't like school. And that's it's more like Ferris Bueller, who also notably hacks his <laughs> grades on a computer. Right. Yeah. He is basically Ferris, Ferris Bueller. Bueller. Yeah. It's just less, less zingers and not breaking the fourth wall and less yeah. friends. Doesn't go to the museum as much. Yeah. Cause like they're kind of starts split. more nuclear wars. Yeah. We, that we know of. Yeah. What, what, if Ferris, what if in the background of Ferris Bueller, he actually at least like started this countdown. Right. And he just like looks right at the camera. It's like, now there's some pretty crazy. Like, yeah. you know, it's nuclear war. That's, that's why he has to go on his like day off is because he knows the world is going to end tomorrow. So he right. has to see everything there is to see in Chicago. Right. <laughs> and he doesn't want anyone else. He's a good guy. He doesn't want anyone else to like know and be like scared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's going on. Yeah, it's like the twenty fifth hour. Yeah, so like, that's the thing. So like, normally a movie like this would be they would become from these like not great home like or Disturbia kind of does this with like the girl who doesn't like her parents and he's a little upset about like his dad his like dad he has dead? like a trauma in Disturbia his dad dies yeah yeah so like it's funny that generally when you have a character who's like stepping outside the bounds and like instigating this level of a plot that they have like a thing that's wrong with them or that yeah. they have to sort through and here he kind of doesn't and she doesn't either yeah but I will say. True to life, like there. Sometimes there are kids who just are just bad cool in school, and, weird, yeah. and sometimes like you don't and like hacking things. Yeah, you don't have to have some. I mean, I know in like in terms of like writer logic, mm-hmm. you want everything to have like a, a, mo- a, a single motivating a motivation. Yeah. But you know, like people just sometimes like people are the way they are. Yeah, but like sometimes pe- like bad kids come from great home lives. You're just like, I don't know. And so he's he's just, just, he just he has just, a fucked up brain. He was born bad. He's a bad man. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then, so and so, yeah, it's just sort of cool. Like they, they have this romance just because like they're she just likes him personally, yeah. Which is how most people fall in love. It's not like a whole like complicated thing. And just it, yeah. they, they meet each other, they think they're attractive, and yeah. like they're off to the races. It's not even like him trying to woo her. It's not even like she's not into. Her. She's into him for minute one because he's like the coolest guy, right? And he like helps with her grades. The parents don't even push back against her hanging out at the house. Yeah, they're like, they're, like pretty nice about it. They yeah. invite her over. There's a little bit of like '80s yuppie satire with the parents about them yeah. being so bland, like right. him being like like the mom not cooking corn, corn. yeah god it's oh yeah he just yells out this corn is raw yeah and it's like can't was it can't we have a vitamin pill and eat cook the corn <laughs> like that's funny but it's he doesn't seem like upset about there it's not like it's this thing of like he's craving excitement and he learns at the end you know like that like boring is good because it means not nuclear war it's just sort of I incidental did, to him being a cool guy who likes playing games there's like and falls in love with that sheet. Yeah, there's like one part in the end where they kind of start trying to tie in his personality or his him himself as a character to the war game stuff. Yeah. It's when they're talking about whether he can swim or not. Yeah. He's like, I never learned how to swim. I thought I'd have more time. That's that's a that's a great line. Yeah, yeah. it's good. But it's like not like his problem was that he wasn't living life to the fullest. He was he was a hundred percent doing that already. Doing great. Yeah. yeah. He hacked the Pentagon by accident. Yeah. Um, 
also shout out to the the, the fucking nerds in the nerds war are, games. I love eighties nerds. Yeah, you know, <laughs> deeply insulting, one hundred percent accurate. <laughs> uh, the the guy I cannot remember his name. The actor who plays the like real nerdy nerd, like the nerdy nerdy nerd. Yeah, the the kind of like one who's like on the spectrum. Right. Like, yeah. It seems like they li- he literally is. That's yeah. Not like a, yeah. He that, that that's the voice actor who plays Mandark on Dexter's Lab. And okay. I immediately like, heard his voice in the background scene. I was just like, fucking Mandark's here. <laughs> Mandark is <laughs> here. Mandark. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then I guess the interesting thing, like, it's Doctor Strange love the movie. There is more of people having like motivating like weird things. Like, there's like they don't really go on arcs per se because it's not really interested in that. Yeah, nobody like develops as a character, right? No one like no grows. one's different. No one's different at the end of the movie than they are at the beginning. Of the right. Movie. Weirdly, the thing that we learn is that what this movie is doing because we as we all reach a certain point, we realize that none of these people are worth rooting for, right? And none of them care, and none of them are growing. I mean, Peter British Peter Sellers. Kind of, yeah. He's I mean, not, he's the closest thing to a hero we have in the movie. Yeah, I mean, the, the only satire on him is that he's just so polite because he's British that he can't get in the way of Jack. Right, but the thing is, like, in terms of, like the actual plot mechanics, he can't like kill him or anything because yeah. he, ha- cause he has because he has the code in his head. Right, so he's just being kind of awkward. So he actually he can't. It's not like he's he's not like he has this opportunity to like physically overpower him and he doesn't take it because he's polite is that he like is stuck he can't do that right oh yeah it does feel like he's just sort of sitting there and like helping him out. i don't know i saw just like a pretty mild just a little like riff on how british people are so polite all the time yeah which funny. i think that's what peter sells is doing yeah that he like helps he helps hold the bullets for the gun yeah he's also scared of the guy yeah no he's yeah. <laughs> colonel jack general jack ripper jack ripper what a name <laughs> god the fucking the the delivery of the bodily fluids line yes is so good because it's after a pretty long monologue monologue that's not that insane and it's also the reveal of the plot of movie yeah right like it's it's the whole thing's going on you know there's a thing and then like mandrake walks in pierce walks in and tells him like i think this is all a mistake gotta call him off and then he gives the big speech that he's causing this on purpose yeah and he just draw ends with, I will do what it takes to protect our bodily fluids. Precious bodily Precious fluids. Precious bodily <laughs> fluids. And then it just cuts to the war room. Like, yeah. it just leaves you with that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that was what I was thinking about. Um, so war games, it kind of as a thesis, is that we need the human element. And human element is what keeps us safe yeah. because people have doubt. Yeah. And then Dr. Strangelove is like, no, the human <laughs> element's also bad. It's very you're much the problem. No, yeah, you're, that's also bad. You're fucked no matter what. <laughs> yeah. This entire system has been put in place by these just brain-dead people. And actually, it show, Dr. Strangelove also shows the, the machine element. Is that yeah. both the machine element and the human element are both bad, and working together, they're the worst. Yeah, you made a bad machine because you're bad people. Yeah. <laughs> The fact that also the fact that just there, you know how the premiere love surprises is such a funny line. I mean, that's and, it, and that they were going to reveal it on Monday, right? They were going to reveal it like pro, like a couple of days from then, right? It's so it's uh, well, that's why that's the, this very specific tone of the movie. It's all people in very serious situations with usually no music. I think the only music is they play like the little like drum uh, drummer boy stuff in the cockpit. Yeah, um, in like very serious situations, like talking about things very seriously but saying absolutely insane stupid shit that they are none of them are realizing at all is fucking nuts yeah it's so short it's so good yeah um it's i mean yeah george c scott it, uh, uh quick extra talk yeah i love george c scott he's brilliant uh general turgeson uh his uh, uh you know his, the mind shaft gap speech is great the mm-hmm. one where he gets really riled up about how the they're not going to be able to shoot down the plane. They oh need yeah, to shoot down to save the world. Yeah, when he gets really excited about how awesome the plane is. Yeah, yeah. he's so because he just like his swings into like manic energy and then just like getting like really like 
just enthusiasm, just his like raw enthusiasm that makes him forget what he's supposed to be doing is great. That's why it's such a clever like depiction, like the great performance and great writing. That like it's not like he's just always like I'm rah rah kill the Russians. He just is obs- so obsessed and competitive. Like he's just so lost he, the plot of why any of these systems exist. Yeah, it's just that he wants to be. He's competitive. He wants to be good at what he does, and what he does is you know killing people, right? Or specifically Russians. Yeah, specifically doing it better than they can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter Sellers as uh, Mandrake and Doctor Strangelove and President Muffley. Uh, I mean, one of the great comedic performances. Yep, pretty, of all time. Solid. Yeah, Doctor Strangelove is one of the funniest <laughs> shits ever on screen. Yeah. I don't know what to say. And Muffley is so deadpan. Yeah. and so great doing the one sided conversation. The one sided conversation is, is like a pretty difficult, act, not a, maybe not a difficult acting prompt, but he's doing a lot of work because he is essentially kind of playing two characters because right. he's also the voice. He is also like presenting this Russian to us. Yeah. Um, uh, Sterling Hayden as, um, General Ripper mm-hmm. again, like very, very good, very, and just a guy who understands the assignment, just like, you got to play it 100% of just like this guy he's is like legit scary. Like, yeah. Like he's violent and strange and very insecure. Yeah. And like, it's kind of like a cool fearless performance, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and Slim Pickens, who we love. Yeah, Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens is doing they hide, what, do what he Where does do. Slim Pickens come from? Is he like a stand-up or something? I'll look him up. I think he's just like a like a Western actor. Like he was in like Westerns and stuff. Oh, okay. That would because I'm just like, where does that nickname he come from? He was an American actor and rodeo performer. Started in the rodeo okay. and then moved into Westerns. This all makes sense. Right. So I think I think that um Was he in like TV Westerns? Was he like in like Bonanza or something? That would be my guess. So it looks like he's in Doctor Strange Love. He's in Blazing Saddles. I mean, obviously Blazing Saddles is playing off of his other stuff. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it looks like he's in a lot of westerns in like the fifties too. Rawhide, was he um, Rawhide? He's like like movies, like old Oklahoma uh, Plains, okay. Down Low Rito Way. You forget that there's like four thousand of those, right? So I think Strange Love is playing a little bit off of a thing that already exists, and then obviously by the time, uh, um, uh, what's my call it, uh, Blazing Saddles comes along, yeah, like it's very much like this is like the western guy, yeah, you know, um, and he's freaking great. Yeah. Uh, and then not as much actor talk to do in war games. I mean, Matthew Broderick, real great. Yeah. Ali Sheedy's great. Ali Sheedy really has good. almost nothing to do, but she's great. It's funny because my main, I know Ali Sheedy's in a lot of stuff, but I mostly think of her in Breakfast Club, which is yeah. such a different character. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, like, that's a good point. Yeah. In Breakfast Club, she's like the, she's cr- the nerd. The basket case, right? Yeah. That's her yeah, like, yeah, type. She, yeah, yeah. You're right. She's the basket case. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, partly that whatever like hair or wig she's got on is doing a lot of work that yeah. she's just kind of like enveloped in this thing. Yeah. And she's just the quiet one. She's kind of crazy. She's very uh, like isolated from the others. Bre- Breakfast Club. Yeah. yeah, in Breakfast Club. And she's like not quote quote unquote like the hot girl. Right. Even though she's obviously like you know a yeah, professional she's actress. She's yeah, beautiful. She, yeah. yeah. But it's funny. Like it's like it's like what our test case is always. Um, Alison Brie in oh in, in, Glow. in Glow where they're constantly talking about how ugly she is. Meanwhile. That's like Ali Sheedy in Breakfast Club. Right. So I just I think of her as that character, and it's funny to see her in this kind of more like all American girl next door role. Right, and uh, funny the only they actually the personality they give her is that she's really into like fitness in like an eighties way. Right, like, they never she's, like, stretching at one point. Yeah, she never talked, and she comes in on like a run like to talk to him about like the the games and he's doing. Yeah, like there's a lot of stuff like her just like doing like little like yoga and aerobics, aerobics and stuff. And stuff. Yeah. It's not really like. A character, but it's it's a little I, color. I will say I like about her that she is just on board. Yes, like you're never Matthew Brock's never having to like convince her like no computers are actually cool or oh we should like this pen we should like play games with this robot or like I this, what's going on with this professor is important. She's she's always yes ending really hard. She seems yeah. like a genuinely like fun like person like yeah. likable cool person that she's like oh this guy's cool oh he likes computers I'm gonna figure out what the deal is right. with computers like. In another lesser movie, 
she would be she would be like the person in the background like oh computers are for nerds like what is this nonsense right and like, then you can't do ex- that don't don't no don't run away from the cops no don't, yeah the no yeah. don't roll yeah exactly yeah. and then like also that like at the because there's like two ways where you get the expository dialogue of explaining how the computer works which mm-hmm. is also like this this movie does really well because that's like that's the hardest part about a hacky movie is you have oh, to yeah. explain what's going on with the hacking and it's not visual yeah but it's that she is legitimately interested and he's explained to her as opposed to like she's not interested and he has to explain why it's important right exactly and it's 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 good I mean it's your point yeah it's great that like she's not in the way of it like a lesser movie would have made her the impediment and made her boring yeah, she's like, like an active character yeah and she's like fun and she can like hang with Matthew Broderick and like the movie's better when she's in it it's yeah just, you know she. And, didn't have anything going on as a character, really. Yeah, and, like, uh, her being an active character, when they're stuck on the island, she's the one that says, oh, we got to just swim. We'll go across. Yeah. Even though it's a couple miles or whatever. Yeah, because, like, he, they have to do it. Yeah. yeah, and it's not like he's saying we should swim and she's the one that can't swim. Right. It's that she is the active one who's trying to help solve this. Right, and actually... <laughs> A fun way in which the fitness thing comes back, so she 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 can swim. She can swim. Yeah, because two she miles. Does, yeah, she's in good shape because yeah. she does like jazz aerobics or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, so that's actually, I mean, you know, Dabney Coleman is fun as uh, um, the guy with the mustache, like McKittrick. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And whoever's playing the generals. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of that guys in this movie, but even yeah. I'm missing him. And then shout out Michael Madsen, apparently oh. the world's sexiest alpha male, according to our species episode. Yeah, I, I don't detect a <laughs> hint of irony in what you're saying. You're right. <laughs> and just, yeah, the boy, real blink and you'll miss it. He's the guy who doesn't turn the... Um, um, no, you know, no, he does. He, he does points the, the gun key. at the other guy, right? Because he'll turn the key to launch a nuke, but the other guy won. And the other guy is also like a character actor who's in a million things. Yeah. The funny thing about the guns is that, so do they have the guns to be able to shoot each other? Hmm. <laughs> because <laughs> seems it feels like once you're arming your guys to do that, then you don't need to do the test if you already don't trust them to to, to pull the trigger. Right. But then also, <laughs> the threat means nothing. Because if you shoot him, he still can't turn the key, and you can't reach over to turn the key. Right. I guess you could, like, shoot him in the leg, <laughs> or just the threat of death. Right, yeah, I guess, the threat, yeah, I don't know, yeah. Because if real... he pulls the trigger, he's still not launching that nuke. Yeah, yeah, they really need an extra scene of Michael Madsen being like, well, you gotta pull that trigger, or I'll shoot you in the in the toes, in the I'll shoot your toes <laughs> off one yeah. at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Dance, what a time. dance, what, dance. What a marksman. <laughs> It's just the scene in Goodfellas where he shoots at his Yeah, team. or they should give him like those like electric chairs from The Simpsons. <laughs> I don't actually know what, the, what that was referenced. Oh, to. there's an episode of The Simpsons where they're doing that. What's that famous experiment where you're electrocuting somebody in the other room? Oh, right. It's the um um. I don't remember what it's called. But right there's there's someone on the other. You're you're told that there's someone on the other side asking answering questions, and if they get it wrong, you have to press a button that shocks them, and it gets progressively more painful shocks, but really the other person there's is no, not getting There's shot. nobody in the other room. Right, it's just somebody saying, please don't do that, it hurts so much. Yeah, and then eventually they'll say, this will cause them to die, but you still have to do it, and people will still press the button. I didn't know about that part, but that's real spooky. Yeah. Um, um, but the whole yeah, it's like if a, if a man in a lab coat tells you a thing that like yeah, most yeah. people just listen. Exactly. And there's a there's an episode of Simpsons where they're like in a circle, the whole family, and they have to buzz each other. They have to like shock each other whenever they get mad at each other. They have, they have the ability to shock each other, so they just start constantly shocking each other. <laughs> yeah, just do that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Salt. <laughs> that'll get that that'll get at least ninety five percent. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, I mean, I think you've dug into a lot of the the highbrow over of like why. I, I mean, I do really think that Doctor Strange was very highbrow. A lot yeah. of it's in the tone. A lot of it in like what it's trying to do. Yeah, um, I, I think my pushback was in me not remembering. Like, I was you know remembering the greatest hits in my mind of all the Doctor Strange love stuff and the you can't find the war room and like right. the funny. I remember the stuff you the, remember. I remember the jokes. Yeah, uh, but most of it is this very specific deadpan kind of satire, which also is hilarious. Yeah. Um, just, uh, speaking of the silliness, mm-hmm. did you know about the original ending of Dr. Strangelove? Mm-mm. It ends in a pie fight. What? Yeah. So the, they filmed this, by the way, it was filmed. It was, can you see it anywhere? You can see pictures. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I mean, the, that sounds bad. I'm kind of glad they took it out. Yeah. So it was going to be, um, um, I don't remember the context. It was basically going to be everyone was mad at each other, so they started throwing pies at each other. Oh, it was like that banquet table had a bunch of pies on it or something? Yeah, and then so, like, yeah, just like someone snapped and then it became a pie fight. And it was supposed to, it was supposed to be, again, reading the Wikipedia, that it was going to be, like, dark and sad because it was just, like, the world was ending and these people were so busy with a pie fight. Mm-hmm. But it ended up playing as so broad and, like, they were all kind of, like, happy and, like, like goofy and smiling to it. Uh, okay. They were supposed to play completely, like, serious, you yeah. know. Um, and that like, yeah, like Kubrick was just like, this just belongs to another movie. It just like doesn't fit at all. Yeah. So which is sort of why we get the, just my fear. I can walk hard cut to the end of the world, <laughs> which is the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. Yeah. I mean that pie, the pie fight thing is something that sounds good on paper, but I can't imagine it working. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find the, the, the picture for you. Uh, it is, I mean, it's just George e. Scott covered in, uh, here, that is a lot of oh he's like laughing yeah that's yeah. the thing it was all very silly um, you know pie fights are fun it's hard to have a pie fight and not be giggly if through it even <laughs> if you are acclaimed brilliant actor George C. Scott yeah <laughs> um, just sort of interesting just like you know how even you know cutting an entire ending scene because Kubrick just knew it wouldn't work just kind of speaks to him as a brilliant filmmaker no that's great and it is like so often just like really hard edits like that can help you so much yeah exactly. Um, in the right places. Sometimes you get the snowman. Right, yeah, where you just don't film 20 minutes of your movie and yeah. uh, it just makes no sense. Yeah. Um, should we watch the snowman? This is the second podcast we brought it up. Uh, I think we should, but we probably shouldn't cover it on the podcast because it's already a How This Get Made episode. Oh, uh, yeah, that's fair. It's a very funny How This Get Made episode. I, 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 I recommend it. it to anybody. That was such a bummer that that movie, because like, it was Thomas Alfredson, who's a director I really love. Mm-hmm. You know, got the right one in and uh, um, Tinker Taylor. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. And so very he was like, director. Right. So he was like this brilliant, one of our great artists, like back. And then it was like, oh, no, it's like a. It's bad. <laughs> oh, it's a bad one. Oh, no, it's not one of those good not ones. Not a goodie. It's, it's a, a baddie. baddie. <laughs> Uh, so just wrapping up there, um, nuclear war is that, uh, and we, as as we let off in this episode, cancel us if you want. I don't care what these liberal elites are going to say, but (laughs) I don't like nuclear war. Tell them in the comments, Warhawks. Yeah. (laughs) Sick them. Sick them, Warhawks. Uh, I, okay. So just wrapping up war games, Dr. Strange love. The, the whole idea of nuclear war, the terror of nuclear war, the absurdity of nuclear war, you know, processing those feelings. How do how do we feel like in general, like grading the movies, how and in what way, how do we think these movies really like dealt with them? I mean, I think Doctor Strange Love, although it is sillier, it also it like you said earlier, it depicts actual nuclear war happening right in a way that is serious with like the especially I'm thinking of just the ending of all the explosions wall to wall. And also, it does depict both the kind of like fallibility of people and the fallibility of machines. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of has the whole topic covered pretty hard. Oh yeah, it's it's very for even though it's like a shorter movie and it's very silly. I think I agree that it 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 really actually kind of goes where war games like doesn't. 
Yeah. In terms of like the actual, the terror, the nihilism, the, the absurdity. Um, uh, I mean, you never really like have the same fear in Dr. Strange as you do in the opening scene of war games. Yeah. But I think you do kind of have the sadness of like, I can't believe all this is like out there. Actually, I just thought war games does have one kind of aspect that Dr. Strange love doesn't cover. And specifically because it has young people in it. Oh yeah. There's a line where Matthew Broderick says that the professor doesn't isn't as worried about nuclear war as they are because he's older and he's had oh, a life. Oh yeah. Which is just something that I mean, Dr. Strange Love can't depict that because it doesn't have children in it. Right. But it is also like, I don't know, that is a problem in the world, which is that older people make all decisions and they don't necessarily like they don't have the perspective of young people who have their whole life to think about. Yeah. Or have, you know, have like whatever, however many years to think about versus a lesser amount. Yeah. I, you're right. That's a good, that is something, because yeah, every, it's kind of an underrated thing in Dr. Strange Love. Everyone's like middle aged or older or older. Like yeah. there's really no one in that entire movie who is not like the only young person who's a line of dialogue in Dr. Strange Love that I can think. There's a secretary mm-hmm. and the, the soldiers who start shooting on the American soldiers who are like, man, those are really convincing like, American army uniforms. Oh, that's very funny. I mean, I guess the guys in the plane are young. Uh, Slim Pickens isn't, but the rest, the rest of them are. Yeah. Uh, very young James Earl Jones uh, in the, in right. the cockpit, yeah. which is, I fucking love that shit. Yeah. Just like, oh, oh, there he is. There he is. He's going to yeah. be famous in 10 years. But then they're not the ones who express any doubt about what they're doing. Oh, yeah. They're on they're on fucking board. I mean, they do express doubt in that like, they don't want to do the wrong thing. Like They want to call back to the base. Yeah. But they don't express regret about their lives being lost. They're on board to do that. Yeah. Uh, also, fun little note about that scene, just a little backstory. The... This, you know the scene where uh, Kong is reading the list of like the supply, like the survival supplies. Yeah, and he oh. says you could have a pretty good weekend in Vegas with this stuff. That's so funny. So the actual original line is you could have a pretty good weekend in Dallas with that stuff. Right. But uh, <laughs> they ADR'd it because you can see his mouth is not saying Vegas yeah. because I think like a few months before this movie came out, uh, uh, JFK. Yeah, JFK was assassinated. Oh uh, yeah. So like yeah, they were just like, yeah, so pretty good weekend in Dallas is like which is fine because Vegas makes more sense. Yeah. Like Dallas is like Dallas is kind of funny. A famous party town. Which is actually maybe why it's uh, it's a really funny line. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> like he thinks Dallas is like the crazy party town. Yeah. Um there's a little cool backstory. Um yeah, I agree. I think um Strange is doing more. War games, I think, is doing a good job in the way in what it's doing. It has a good message. Yeah. It but pretty much outside of that that one scene where he's like, I never learned to swim and and you, you know, we're young and you're not. And yeah, which uh, yeah, basically all the really heavy emotional stuff happens on that island. Yeah, pretty much. Because the rest of it is just sort of like we've got to stop it, you know? Yeah. Um, which could be, you know, we've got to stop anything from happening in any yeah. know, McGuffany movie. But yeah. yeah, good movie. Yeah, I'd say like because there's some specificity to war games that just doesn't exist in Dutch Change Love because A, it's a more modern movie. Yeah. That they're like, the, the Venn diagram isn't a complete, like, smaller circle inside of a bigger circle. Right. There's like a couple things that it covers that, that Strange Love doesn't, but Strange Love is just a bigger movie. In right. Scope. It's a it, yeah, it, it, Strange Love is like attacking and depicting a whole, like, like uh, mindset, a whole yeah. ideology, basically. And, and, you know, war games kind of from within that ideology, you know, like trying to like solve the problem and reckon with it. Yeah. Um, and it's like I said, I think it does have a good job. It's got a good message, um, in you know, in a way that's got done pretty well, although silly, 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 silly. I don't know. I mean, I think Doctor Strange is a better movie. I don't think anyone would be upset with me saying that. Yeah, it's, it's Doctor Strange. I agree with you, but I liked War Games. It's and great. I, it was better than I, I expected it to be. Like so bad, it's good. Kind of fun. No, it's delightful. It's solid. It's it, good. It's, There's like a little goofy stuff in the end, but it's all good. It's, it's a fun movie to watch. It's, it's fun. It's funny. It's generally like, like thrilling and like just sort of like you know you're rooting for them to escape and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's got a bad '80s nerds and yeah. uh, Michael Madsen, the yeah. world's sexiest uh, alpha male. Yeah. Uh, do you want to play a game? Let's play a game. Let's play a game. Um, 
So we're going to play the Letterboxd list game. It is uh, a game I will pull up a list on Letterboxd that has one of the movies that we're talking about on it. And it catchphrase rules. Got to get Cooper to guess as many as he can. 90 seconds on the clock. And the list is... What a difference a day makes. Films okay. where the majority of the story takes place over the course of a single day or night. Doctor Strange Love must be. The yeah, Doctor Strange Love is yeah. the one. Um, okay, I've sorted this just or, by the ones. War Games notably takes place over two days because they're constantly having a 48 hour countdown or whatever. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so not on the list. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I sorted by the ones I've seen. I'll try and also sort it by the ones you've seen. All right. Uh, let's go. Um, uh, we talked about a lot. Uh, Cool guy, Slinky, Slinky Slinking in. They're on. They're in a place, and it, we want this movie to be better. It's a. It's what? an act. It's an act. I can't say the actor's name. You'll get it later. Um, it is a musical. It was remade recently, but this is the original. West Side it, Story. Yes. Um, this is an animated uh, Disney movie based on a book where a girl goes into a place, and there's a lot of weird shit everywhere. And that's the one. Trippy, that's the one. Um, this is the actor you hate with the voice who you hate. Okay. Oh, uh, is it? Um, it's a Wonderful Life. Uh, it, it's right actor, but uh, it's by the director you hate. Uh, and oh, oh, um, oh, oh, Psycho. Uh, no, that's not one. But with the murderer, Vertigo. Uh, we're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> uh, rope. Whole, it is rope. Okay, okay. cool. Um, it is a horror movie. I believe we watched together. It's sort of a time loop. Um, and Happy Death Day. Yep. Um, great movie about kids just trying to get alcohol and fun fucking Super around. Bad. Yep. Um, uh, another time loop movie, but this one is like sci-fi and like, and there's like you know aliens and, and stuff. Oh, oh, uh, live die repeat. Uh, sure, yes, sure. Um, the other, I don't know the other title. Yeah, uh, they're they're people at a store, and it's like one day. Oh, yep. Uh, a movie that um another horror movie, the first one in a franchise that had a million entries in it. Evil that, Dead. Uh, you've, like, literally, there's like 11 of these movies. What? And there was recently one um, that was, like, had a silly name that we meme a lot, and it's like torture porn. And, uh, oh, Saw. Uh, it was Saw. Okay. God damn it. I was, so seven. Okay. Not bad. Uh, the one I was nine, trying to get... Nine is like our average. I was, the one, the Slinky Slankin one was uh, Bad Times at El Royale. Oh. Because I know that's like the reference you always make with... Because I was trying to say Chris Hemsworth, and I was like, it's a Chris. And I'm like, yeah, I can't say that either. Yeah, through the tall grass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's funny. Failsafe is on here too, That's but I funny. thought if I just did the serious version, you may not remember the name of it because I just mentioned it in passing. I haven't seen it. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Alice in Wonderland. It's funny you don't think of it as that because like time has no meaning in that. But yeah, yeah it's just a, an adventure. One day. Cool, well, because she's like asleep during. Oh it. right, yeah. So it's, it's all maybe a daydream. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, oh, West Side Story is all one day. I yeah, because Romeo and Juliet is. Yeah, yeah. I guess they. Yeah, basically, yeah. They go to the. Yeah, it's like the, the that morning, and then they go to the dance that night. Yeah, and then you know he meets Maria, and then like the, the next day, everything else. So it's really it's like thirty six hours, right? Uh, so really fudging it there. Uh, some of the ones I skipped that would have been hard. Salt on Precinct Thirteen. I would know how to get uh, you to say I that one. That one. Um, uh, I'm glad you got Rope. <laughs> it's a good movie. <laughs> Took me a while. Rope's a good movie. There's a lot of Jimmy Stewart, Alfred yeah, Hitchcock movies. Yeah. Um, Wizard of Oz. I didn't. I guess maybe. Also, she's asleep during it. Is that oh right yeah because she, she just wakes up and she's like it's yeah she's asleep it's like technically it all takes place over like two hours maybe yeah, like top, yeah. if it's like a real power nap yeah <laughs> or not a power nap but a week Con- nap. concussion power concussion power concussion <laughs> uh, hail Caesar which was a fun uh, one it just would have been hard for me to do the clues yeah um, yeah edge of tomorrow is is lived I repeat. right what was the original title was it lived I repeat and then it was the DVD was edge of tomorrow no other way around oh okay it was edge of tomorrow and then the tagline on the poster was lived I repeat. Oh, and then they start. They people like it should be called that. And then they start releasing the DVDs where it's just saying "Live to Repeat." I think "Edge of Tomorrow" is a better title, although it's kind of a meaningless. It's not a great title. 
Yeah, well, that that's the thing. Is it's so generic. It's not a good title, but Live to Repeat just feels like a different movie to me. Well, it kind of felt like. I think the thing was that it's a really good movie. It's a really charming movie, and it felt like Edge of Tomorrow was kind of playing up what was not distinctive about it. And the movie, yeah. I think, underperformed, and they had a lot of defenders who were just like, I wish they'd really played up how much fun this movie is. Yeah, I didn't see that. It, oh, it's great. The I, monsters are kind of like just a big old they're wiggly. ball goop. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 they're tentacles. Tentacle balls, right? Yeah, yeah, they're like metal squigglies. I think they actually kind of cool looking, but it yeah. is very much just like, we just needed a thing. Yeah, because like tentacle, tentacle, bunch, bunch of tentacles is a monster I'm a little tired of. Yeah, they're, they, they these move really fast, which is cool. that is cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of the inverse of that is the Tomorrow War, kind of similar idea. They're 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 that, but not metallic. And I remember thinking like, well, this is a, not as as cool and distinctive as yeah as mimics. Not as bad as Giant Evil Cloud, which happens a lot. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, just budget issues. I, guess. I mean, my big issue was fucking. Well, but they have a Giant Evil Clouds in a lot of Marvel movies, which is not budget issues. Yeah. Well, the big one is very, uh, Green Lantern. Oh, well, that's not Marvel, but yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. Well, that's Parallax, who is you, sometimes a cloud, but sometimes not a cloud. Um, <laughs> sorry, Parallax. He's like a big monster. Yeah. So he's been a lot of things. The big one is in, in Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, the one from like 2007 or something. Yeah. They do Galactus. Right. Galactus is notably like a giant man with a weird hat. It's right. pretty cool. Yes. And then I remember they, they, they made him a giant cloud. Right. In... In Fantastic Four, which we were mad about. scarier than a giant cloud? I think they interviewed the director and he was just things like, I just don't want to do giant robots in my movies. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> and just like, man, I, yeah, it's your movie. And the first but one made a bazillion dollars. Think of one, something else, I guess. I yeah, don't know. Just don't do Galactus. Dude. Yeah. Just have, fight the Silver Surfer. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it, I don't. I have not seen that movie except for the Galactus cloud stuff. Yeah. Also, I think Galactus looks silly, but I, yeah, I get it. He's, like he's grandfathered in. As, I like his hat. Yeah. Like he's a cool idea for a character that I like the lore, but like he just looks very silly to me. Yeah, and yeah. It, it is what it is. Yeah, um, he's one of like a bunch of Marvel villains who are kind of look like that. Like Apocalypse is kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other list on the list, there's a lot. There's a couple of hostage movies: Dog Day Afternoon, Inside Man. Oh yeah. Um, Rebel Without a Cause, I guess didn't realize took place over there just today. Yeah, because the ending is all at night. Yeah. Oh, Tokyo Godfathers. Yeah, it's like oh, yeah. yeah, it's like four it's hours. Christmas. Yeah, it's Christmas Eve. Yeah. There's probably uh, a lot of Christmas movies that take place in a day. Yeah. I mean, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, Airplane, mm-hmm. uh, The Thing, uh, Train to Busan. Yeah, that's like two hours. Yeah. Uh, uh, Training Day. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the day. It is the day. There's also some like real-time movies, right? Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's what Rope is. Lock is on here. The one where Tom Hardy's in the car. Mm-hmm. 1917. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and so on. You know. And so forth. Yep. Alien, Gravity, The Descent, The Purge. Um, a lot of good movies. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You know, it well, forces a, you to be thrilling, it, and it's a great way to like kind of keep your scope tight. Yeah, um, trying to see. I don't know. Oh, climax and Enter the Void are on here. I didn't realize this. Gaspar Noé. Yeah, yeah, haven't seen him. Anyway, I've seen Enter the Void, but I couldn't tell you what happens there. <laughs> um, thank you all for listening. Yep. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe and follow us on Instagram and follow us on Facebook. HBLB podcast for both for both of them uh, and uh, keep listening let tell people about the podcast if they're if they seem like they're into it if not you know what are they going to do be mad at you for recommending a podcast go ahead and recommend it anyway yeah and uh, uh, if you see some of our social shit share it keep listening uh, I don't know I, f- I feel like yeah. we're good we're and done I, are we done th- don't th- call, don't start you. a nuclear war thank you to everybody who's been uh, interacting with us on social media I've been having a lot of fun doing some quizzes and polls and stuff with people yeah when it's you scream really, into the void it's nice when it screams back yeah it's really nice to you know hear from people who are actually who are listening to what we're saying yeah we appreciate it and uh, bye bye forever, forever. <laughs>